Amen. Welcome to those of you that are up here tonight or a guest tonight. We welcome you. Thank you for being a part of service tonight. If you're watching us online somewhere, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to you tonight. I don't know if this is the greatest title, but it's the title, The Danger of a Filter. Anybody ever noticed you don't have to do anything to grow weeds in your yard? How many of you have a house with a yard? Rent it or own it, whatever. You ever ever notice you don't have to do anything to grow weeds? I don't know why, I guess it goes back to the garden, I guess. I don't know about those of you without yards at your house, but it seems like the stuff I want to grow is a great challenge to get it to grow, and the things I don't want to grow seem to prosper and flourish. Hello? I know what, you've got to help me out a little bit now. We, I know we're, we're, we're sparse here tonight, so I can't hear you real well, so... The late man every now and then is, is welcome. <laughs> you don't have to do anything to grow weeds. In fact, you, you just do nothing. Listen to what Paul says, and some of this tonight is going to be somewhat familiar to some of you, and perhaps some of you have never really heard it before, but either way, it's, it's what I feel to share with you tonight. And Paul says this in Acts chapter 24 and verse number 16. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. I exercise myself to have a con- to all to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. The word exercise there in the Greek means, you ready? To exercise. You're going to let that sink in for a moment there. I know you've got to process that for a minute. To exercise oneself, take pains, labor, strive. You only need to be baptized one time. You only need to be baptized in Jesus' name one time. You don't have to be baptized every time you sin. You don't have to be baptized every time you make a mistake. You you get baptized one time. But Paul says, I have, I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense. I exercise myself. You don't have to be a a trainer tonight, you don't have to have gone to school for uh, uh, physical education or physical therapy to have an idea that an hour of exercise a year doesn't really do you any good. If you're here tonight and, and, and you're not really exercising on any kind of a regular basis, If you go tomorrow to the gym and work out for an hour, an hour and a half, lift weights and and all of that, and and that's the only time you do it, the only thing you're going to get out of that is a lot of pain. For exercise to benefit you, it's got to be done on some degree of a regular basis. So Paul said, I exercise myself. And so in the context of exercise, that means it's not something he just did once or or just every now and then. But by exercise, what he was saying is, I make it a regular effort. I make it a regular practice to make sure that I have a conscience that is void of offense. The word offense there in the Greek means passively. It means a not striking, it means not striking against or stumbling. And so he's saying, I am exercising myself so that my conscience doesn't have something that lashes out or strikes out against something. 
So here, and, and again, I know some of you here tonight have heard this before, but for those of you that haven't, the, the Greek word there for conscience means co-perception. Co-perception. So what that means is your perceptions of everything are affected by something else. Your interpretation of things is is, is affected by something else. And so Paul says, I exercise myself, I take pain, I strive, I struggle to have a conscience that doesn't have offense. Because what happens is when I have an offense, it interferes with my co-perception. Anybody want to take a guess at what's supposed to be my co in my perception? What or who? God, Jesus. The what is the Word of God. That is supposed to be the co in my perception. But when I am offended, when I am, when I have offense, that interferes with the co in my perception. And it's no longer God. I've told this story before, but several years ago now, I was, I was here at the church during the day, I was working, and I got a text from uh, my wife that said, can you stop on the way home and pick up milk? And I texted back and I said, sure. When I texted sure, in my mind, I was saying, sure. No problem. Within seconds, I received a text back that said, forget it, I'll do it myself. Her perception was, what she read was, I was saying, Sure. Sure, if I have to, I will. I texted back, I'm like, whoa, you you misread what I was saying. Sure, I'm happy to, not sure. Listen, if, if my wife and I, if my wife, who at the time, I don't recall any major issues in our marriage that was affecting her perception of me, We weren't on the verge of disaster. And yet, even in that situation, her interpretation was she read it negatively. If that was the case between the two of us, how much more do you think that's the case between people that aren't married? That don't have that same connection, that same bond as a godly, married, hopefully strong relationship has. That's, that's, I've said it many times before and I will say it tonight and probably many times in the future. That's why there's, there's a lot of things that should not be communicated by email and text message. Because when you read something, you determine the tone of voice of the person that wrote it. You sit there and you read and as you read, you're hearing their voice. You're deciding the inflection in their voice. And human nature is, I have a tendency to listen or read to assume the negative. So that's why, that's that's part of the context of Paul saying, I am exercising myself to have a conscience that is void of offense because my human nature by default is to lean toward the negative. And so if that's my human nature by default, I really have got to work at this so that there's nothing separating me and God and God helping my perception. The root word there means to see completely. Conscience is to see completely. The root word also is to see, to have seen together with others. The question is, who's the others? 
to see or to have seen in one's mind with oneself. And that's where we get in a lot of trouble. When we start looking at things, looking at circumstances, thinking about conversations and interactions with people just by ourselves. Because usually the devil doesn't leave us by ourselves. You ever, you ever add, maybe those of you that are younger have yet to have it. I'm sure most, I would think most of the married couples could relate. There's been a number of times in 20 plus years of marriage where I was awakened from a deep sleep with the question, did you hear that? Well, I was sound asleep. You had to wake me up, so what does that tell you? And the implication is, whether you heard it or not, I heard it. And the next part of that is, go check it out. Brother Adam, I have no monitor for some reason. This is not doing anything playing with this knob, so... Anybody ever, whether you're married or not, anybody ever been laying in bed at night and heard a noise? Yes. You know what? That same noise probably happens during the daytime. And you never even think about it. But when it happens at night, all you need is a noise, and then within a matter of seconds, the most horrible of criminals is in your house. That serial killer that they've yet to find is in your house. And it's over. And then again, back to the couples, if you're married, you're, you're sent unarmed Go find out what it was. I guess it's the man's job to find out, and if I find someone, then my job is to somehow hold him off long enough for you and the kids to get out the house while I die. I really always, I've never done it and will never do it, I always want to respond when I get woken like that and say, you heard it. You check it out. That wouldn't go over real well, I'm sure. But, but again, that, that just, that's the way our natural minds work. And so Paul is saying, I, I have got to work at having a conscience that does not have offense. Because even without offense, if I'm not careful, my mind starts to think the worst. I mean, it, it's happened. You may think it's, it, you may, it may, may not have, you may not have ever done this and it may not have ever happened to you, so you might think it's ridiculous, but I'm telling you it's happened. People have gotten greatly offended because somebody on the other side of the room, the other side of the sanctuary looked at them with a scowl on their face and that person just absolutely knew. They're offended with me, they got a problem with me, and their mind just goes crazy. You don't, you don't know, that person may have really bad gas tonight. And the moment you looked at them, they were fighting the good fight. But that our mind starts to go down the trail of the negative. And again, that's, that's without offense. When you start introducing offense, it complicates the matters even worse. We, we see, we basically see everything through a filter. Modern technology... You can now do on a phone what used to take a complicated program. Somewhere in the mix there is actually a 
that's not the, you can't see it the best up there the way it is. It's a lot clearer on my iPad. Somewhere in there is the original photo. All the rest of them have a filter. Unfortunately, again, it's not as clear up there as it is on my iPad. And most of them kind of look a little more the same up there than they do on here. i walk around and show you. Somewhere in there is the original. The rest of them are, have a filter. And really, most of what we see, most of what we perceive in life is through a filter. And when we start accumulating offenses, our perception is off. I just, in the not, well, some point in the past, to put it that way, I was in a situation where I was trying to communicate with someone, and I was not getting a response from them. And after a time or two of trying to reach out and not getting a response, my mind started creating some reasons why they weren't responding. And it was, in my mind, it was because of certain issues was the reason why they weren't responding. Finally, when I got a response from them, guess what? They were having some technological issues. And their ability to respond was not working properly. Wasn't a problem. Wasn't an issue. Wasn't a relational issue. It was just a, just a problem. But when there's any kind of offense, my perception begins to be affected by something other than God. Listen to what The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse number 16, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I don't know why here is in there. Great peace have they that love thy law, and not much. If you're going to sit in here and talk while I'm teaching, I'm about to call your names, point you out. I will do it this way first. Next time, I will be looking at you as I stop and ask you to stop your talking. Great peace have they that love thy law. And how much? See, here's how we kind of live It's all right if a little things here and there bother me. If just a little bit bothers me. But the psalmist said, They that love thy law, no thing shall offend them. The Amplified says it this way, Great peace have they who love your law. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. You know how many people are not in church Anymore that used to be in church, used to be on fire for God, but something along the way made them stumble. Let me say it like this, someone The scripture says, I believe it was uh, one of the prophets in the Old Testament said it prophetically of Jesus, I was wounded in the house of my friends. Your greatest wounds in life are going to come from those closest to you. The stranger in the mall, the stranger in the restaurant, the the student at school that you hardly know is not the one that's going to deeply wound you. The one that's going to deeply wound you is the one that's close to you. The psalmist said, nothing. If I love His law, nothing. The word offend there means a stumbling. It means 
It's a means or occasion of stumbling. It's a stumbling block. So we said the who, but also the what. In my, when my conscience is void of offense, when I am void of offense, and my conscience is properly working, then the, the, the co in my perception is the Word of God. It's God. And if you haven't noticed, there is an answer in the Word of God for every accusation. There is a solution for every accusation. So again, it's challenging enough in my humanity when, when to the best of my ability I'm not offended to not interpret stuff negatively. But the moment I start getting offense... The moment I start allowing offense to accumulate, it becomes impossible for me to see things accurately. How many young people born and raised in the church that end up backsliding late teens, early 20s? Over this, I know this is, I know we're disjointed tonight and we, we feel that anytime there's a group of us out, I understand that, and, 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 and I'm, not just, I'm not here just filling in, folks. I'm not here tonight just to be a filler. I've come with what I feel like the Holy Ghost has given me and wanted me to share here tonight. The number of young people that are backslid, don't want anything to do with God or the church, because somewhere along the way there was some stumbling blocks. Things people did, things people said that accumulated to the point they now want nothing to do with God and nothing to do with the church. When, when, I, when I have a fence and my perception, how many, how many of you have, uh, have or your parents have satellite radio? Anybody, anybody here? Nobody? Couple of you, one or two hands. You know, satellite radio works a lot different than regular radio. If you've got a good station, you're pretty much gonna on a regular radio, AM or FM. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get the signal. You're gonna hear. But satellite radio is different because it's connected to the satellite. And the difference with satellite radio is, and there's some spots, there's some spots along Ritchie Highway where the trees are, that if you, in certain spots, there, there, is a, there is a block between the receiver and the satellite, and it goes silent. You know what those trees are like? A fence. They're breaking the signal. So you're no longer hearing. You're no longer hearing properly. When you let a fence get in your life, when you let a fence stay in your heart, the signal gets broken and you're not hearing clearly. And everything becomes distorted. You interpret everything from, with a negative slant. So again, Paul says, I exercise myself. I put great effort and, 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 and take great pain and strive toward having a conscience that has no offense because I want God, I want the Word of God to be the co of my perception. So God is balancing out how I interpret things. Barnes Note says they have great calmness. Those, again, great peace have they that love thy law. They have great calmness of mind. They are not troubled and anxious. They believe and feel that all things are well ordered by thee and will be conducted to the best result. They therefore calmly leave all with thee. As a matter of fact, the friends of God have peace and calmness in their minds, even amidst the troubles, the disappointments, and the reverses of life. The love of God is the best, the only way to secure permanent peace in the soul. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1 says, My son, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. This is the amplified version. For length of days 
and years of a life worth living. I like the way that, that the Amplified inserts that there, worth living. Not everybody that's living is living a life worth living. Length of days and years of life worth living and tranquility, inward and outward and continuing through old age till death. These shall they add to you. Isaiah 32, 17. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. My people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, in safe dwellings and in quiet places. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The Message Bible, people with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet, because they keep at it and don't quit. People with their minds set on you. Great Peace have they that love thy law, and nothing, nothing. How about the words of Jesus? Father, forgive them. Why? They know not what they do. I wonder what would change some of your your perception of some situations if somebody that's done something that's offended you if your prayer was lord forgive them they they don't really know what they do well how can they not know what they do well there's several reasons why there's a chance that they're offended so in their offense they're not making very good decisions There's a chance something's got them deceived and something's got them blinded, so they're not making good decisions. But again, Father, forget. You know what? We 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 think. I think we think a lot of times of living for God and the Word of God like a buffet. There's a big difference between going to a buffet or any actually a restaurant than there is eating dinner at home. The majority of the time at my house when we're eating at home, the cook, I say the cook because we are multiplying cooks in our house. Elizabeth and Esther are now becoming cooks, very good cooks. So the cook usually decides, I feel a sneeze coming on, so trying to delay, now it's leaving. So, (laughs) the cook decides what's for dinner. Every now and then I'll get a text or a call from my wife to say, is there something you want for dinner? But most of the time, the cook at home decides what's for dinner. And if you're smart, you will eat what is provided for dinner. If you don't like it, you'll pretend like it's pretty good. When you go to a restaurant, when you go to a buffet, get what you want. When you go to a buffet, pick what you want. And don't get what you don't want. I'm not a, I'm not a buffet person. Maybe you are. I'm not a, there's just, I have, I basically have never found a buffet that comes anywhere close to home cooking. The closest I've found that I can think of is a place called Mama Hamels in Mississippi where we go at Apostolic Conference that Bishop speaks at. That's about as close. If you're a Country Buffet fan here tonight, if that's your favorite restaurant, God bless you. I'm not trying to offend you, but... And so when I do have to go... I usually get a small plate of salad, eat that. I'll usually get a piece of ham or maybe a little bit of mashed potatoes and eat that, and then I'm off to the soft-serve ice cream. 
I'm under no obligation to eat what I don't want. I can leave everything I don't want there. I have no obligation to eat it. The Word of God is not a buffet. It's not for you to pick and choose. Some of you get so mad at God because He doesn't bail you out of every situation you get yourself into. Isn't it amazing the stuff we get mad at God for that was all our choice? I make bad choices, mess things up, and then I get mad at Him for not bailing me out. Chances are, if I would have followed the path He was trying to lay out for me, I probably wouldn't be in the circumstances I'm in. But we like to pick and choose. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I like to leave out that part that nothing, nothing, I mean, okay, don't you think we ought to get a little bit of slack? Don't you think God ought to give us a little bit of slack that some, I mean, come on God, some things, especially the really big things, it's okay if they offend us. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing. I bet you the Greek word or the Hebrew word there probably for nothing is probably Nothing. Probably really deep. No thing. I wonder, and I know, I know, I know the context of Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is David's prayer as a response to being confronted by the prophet when the whole ordeal with Bathsheba. I understand that this prayer is his response, but I want you to think of this verse tonight in the context of of this, this evening. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Because if I don't have a clean heart and I don't have a right spirit, there is no way to see things clearly and there's no way to make right choices There's no way to make the right decisions that I need to make in my life if I've got a heart that isn't clean and a spirit that's not right. Create a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Listen to the way the Message Bible says it. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. The word create there in the Hebrew goes to the same word of cre- in creation in Genesis 1. So he wasn't saying just, just, just fix it up, God. Just fix up my heart some. He was saying create, make a brand new heart and renew a right spirit. Adam Clark says this, Mending will not avail. My heart is altogether corrupted. It must be new made, made as it was in the beginning. This is exactly the sentiment of Paul. Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And the salvation given under the gospel dispensation is called a being created a new In Christ Jesus, create in me a clean. Did you notice, if you want something to be clean, what would you normally do? You'd wash it. You just, if you want something clean, you'd wash it. But David didn't say that he prayed in a previous verse to wash me. But in this verse, he doesn't just say, wash my heart. He says, create a clean, create a clean heart. Create a brand new clean heart. And going back to what Paul said, a heart that is void of offense. Oh, hallelujah. 
as long as you're not willing to forgive, you cannot trust the choices you make. You cannot trust your interpretation of any situation. Hello. Some of you are trying to hold on some stuff and just live your life. You got people that have done you wrong, people that have mistreated you, people that have hurt you, and you're not willing to forgive them, but you're going to you're just trying to go on with life without them but still hold on to the grudges toward them. You cannot do that and separate the effect of a conscience with offense. I heard probably, I don't know, as maybe in, in my teens, Bishop taught this years ago. And I was working, I was, actually I was the principal of the school at the time. I had been the principal for only, I think at that point, just a couple years at the most, maybe not even that long. And I was, I was dealing with a student one day who was having some had gotten in some trouble and was having some, needed some discipline. And, and as I listened to them talk, the way they saw everything that everybody did was with a negative slant towards them. And it was like all of a sudden my eyes opened to what Paul was talking about, what this word means. If I've got somebody I'm close to and my relationship is good, my relationship with them is healthy and strong, you know what? They probably can yell at me and I'll... They can snap every now and then at me and I'll just... Why? Because I have no offense with them. I can understand, you know what? You're you're having a bad moment. You're having a bad day. You're... There are certain people, if I send them a text or call them and they don't respond, they don't answer, I do not instantly start thinking, oh my God, I wonder, I wonder what I've done, that they're mad at me, they're upset with me, I wonder how I've offended them. It doesn't even cross my mind. If I, if I text or I call or I email and there's no response, you know what my thought is? I'm sure they're busy. They probably got stuff going on and they're just too busy. I'm not, it's not some all of a sudden questioning of a relationship. But I just told you, there have been times where certain people, I've reached out and I've gotten no response, and immediately, because there's just something not quite right, my mind starts going. Next thing I know, there's this horrible problem. Because my perception, and I I gave you an example of a situation where, come to find out, everything my mind was drumming up was totally inaccurate. Nowhere near what was going on. But somewhere, something was causing my perception, my, the co, God, His Word, to be cut off. And I wasn't seeing things clearly. The pulpit commentary says of that verse, David, in asking both for a new heart and a new spirit, requests the renovation of his entire mental and moral nature, which he recognizes as corrupt and brave. Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. What he's saying is, God, don't leave anything untouched. Don't leave anything out. Anything that would affect My thinking, my perception, my actions, my attitude, God, any part of me that affects that, I'm asking you to create it new. I'm asking you to clean it. Psalm 19 and 14, let the words of my mouth. You know what, that that part there is really, for the most part, not that difficult to achieve. I mean, every now and then something might push your button and you, you may say something to somebody, you may speak some words that are really not pleasing to God. But you know, for the most part, most of the time, you can, you can, you've got enough discipline to say words that are pleasing to God. 
But notice that the psalmist did not stop with let the words of my mouth be acceptable. He said, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So not just what I say that not only you hear, but others can hear. I don't want just that to be acceptable. I want those thoughts that you and you alone know what they are. I want them to be acceptable. Those thoughts that when a circumstance or the situation happens and I'm starting to interpret what's going on, I want the thoughts about that to be acceptable. I want the thoughts about that to be pleasing. I want what takes place in my mind that nobody else hears, nobody else knows. I want that to be acceptable to you. I've I've done this before, I've used this many times, but I could I could be shaking your hand, smiling at you, nodding, smiling, and you're going to look at me and think, man, this, he's a friendly, nice guy. And yet, while I'm shaking your hand, smiling, I could be thinking all kind of bad stuff about you. Just smile away, and you know, you have no idea. You have no idea what's going on in my mind. But there's one person that does. And David said, I want that part that no one else hears. I want that to be acceptable. And I think part of the reason for that prayer is what no one else hears that goes on in my heart, in my mind, affects what I do. Affects what I say. Solomon says this, Guard, guard your heart, because out of it are the issues of life. What comes in, what takes place in my heart, affects what comes out, it affects what I do. And so if I let stuff stay there, that then separates my, or or affects my conscience. Ever wonder how some folks can make some decisions they make? Even some people that at one point seemed to be very committed, very solid, very dedicated people to God, and all of a sudden you look at decisions they make and you're like, what in the world? Really, there's, there's a diagnosis. There's, a, there's one diagnosis for all of them. Somewhere, they got offended. Somewhere along the way, they got offended. And with offense, they started making decisions that were not proper decisions. They were not wise decisions because there was no balance. You see, when you become offended or offense gets in your heart and your co-perception, God as the co in your perception gets separated, something, someone is going to replace God. Somebody is going to be the other part influencing your perception, your thoughts. May not always be the devil. I guess it potentially could be another human being. But chances are, if you're offended, those that you're attracting to you are probably offended too. So they're probably not seeing things accurately either. So Paul says, I always exercise myself to have a conscience void, empty, free, clear of offense. Chances are, there's probably somebody in this room tonight That's allowing some stuff to just kind of fester in your spirit. Problem is, we usually don't 
We don't make drastic bad decisions right off the bat, usually. Usually takes a little bit of time of stuff kind of festering in our spirits that we, we make probably more so a accumulation of bad decisions. Remember several years ago now I was in Malaysia with my dad in Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur there are the uh, the Patronus Twin Towers. Some of you probably have seen them in a picture or in a movie. They've been in some movies and they're these two very tall office buildings and they're connected by a walkway on like the 80-something floor of that that building. And while I was in Malaysia, there was a documentary that was on television about the making of those towers. And they talked about how every day as they began to build those towers and start to build the floors and start to go up from the ground, every day they would come in and precisely measure to make sure those towers were square. Because the slightest bit being off at the beginning, when you're going 80, 90, whatever stories up, what seems small at the beginning, at the end, becomes very significant. You might let some things sit today in your spirit that seem to be insignificant. They may not appear to have that major of an impact on you today. But the longer you allow them to sit there, the longer you allow them to go undealt with, the greater impact they have on your life. It's not a once a year prayer. It's not a once every couple of year effort to have a conscience free of offense. Paul said, I always exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense. I wonder if we could take a couple moments right now very early, and I'm basically done teaching. But I wonder if you would, just right where you're sitting for a few moments, you would just take a little bit of time tonight and ask the Lord to help you. The psalmist also prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Maybe, maybe there's a chance there's somebody sitting here tonight and you think to the best of your ability, there's nothing in your heart, in your spirit, but maybe God knows there's just a little something that's kind of sitting there that's not been dealt with. That to this point, maybe you haven't recognized it, you're not aware of it, you haven't noticed it's there, but if you'd ask Him to search you, He might show it to you, and when He shows it to you, you now have the chance to deal with it and avoid the impact of it Avoid that thing separating your conscience, interfering with your conscience. Father, I'm asking you to help us right now. God, I pray that you would help me tonight. Lord, I want a conscience that is void of offense towards you and towards man. I want a conscience, God, that is clear, that is free from any stumbling blocks. I want to be able to live what the psalmist said and have great peace by loving your law and nothing offending me. God, I pray that you would help us tonight, every individual in this sanctuary tonight, God. Let there, let there be a searching of our hearts tonight. Not only us trying to search ourselves, but God also allowing you to search us and perhaps finding some things maybe we're unaware that are in our hearts, that we might be able to find cleansing and forgiveness. God, I pray tonight, I pray that you would do in us, as the psalmist said, as David prayed, and create in us, God, a clean heart. Don't just wash it, Lord, don't just clean it, but create a clean heart, a brand new clean heart. Renew in us, God, a right spirit, Lord. 
Let our hearts and our spirits be right. That area of our lives, Lord, that affects the decisions we make, that influences our choices in life, that affects how we hear and how we perceive things, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, by Your grace tonight, I pray, God, that You would put within us a desire, a passion like Paul had, God, that we would continually exercise our own selves to have a conscience that is free, that is void of offense. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, wash us and cleanse us tonight, Lord. Create in us a clean heart. Renew in us a right spirit. Let Your Word, let Your Spirit be the co of our perception. Let Your Word, let Your Spirit, let Your voice, God, be what balances us out, be what influences how we think, how we interpret situations and circumstances in our lives, God. Lord, in our own humanity, we've got weaknesses, we've got, we've got defaults to the how we hear and how we see. And We need You to help us. We need You to balance us out, God. We need Your grace tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. God bless you. We are going to dismiss. Unfortunately, if you've got a family member or somebody you're with that is in the chapel, I can pretty much guarantee you they will not be done for another 40 minutes because Bishop is teaching. I will let you interpret that. So, um, those of you that don't have to wait for somebody and you choose to go, so be it. If you are, I guess, let me just request, if you've got family members or whatever that are down there, please don't uh, go down in the hallway and be a distraction or disruption to um, the session going on downstairs. God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday. In Jesus' name.